0: Amen. Hallelujah. Would you guys take your seats? Thank you, worship team. That was so amazing. Thank you, kids. With your Look at that. They're just they're still going over there. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm thankful. this I don't know about you, but this message has really been reshaping my life. Um, hopefully it's been something that's feeding you as well and making a difference in your walk with the Lord. Have you, has this been making, helping anybody? Just looking at the love and uncovering the fact that love is the main thing. That we ought not to be striving after anything but love himself receiving it and giving it and that's the main thing that's abiding in his love well i want to recap a little bit we're going to move through this we have a video in the middle and then we have uh our our fellowship lunch afterwards so we have a good day today so far it's been a fantastic morning i could have just ended in worship i've just really fed my soul i'm so grateful for that but So love is the main thing, and God is love. Amen? God is love. Y'all say that? God is love, and he is the main thing. We know the first and greatest commandment is love God with your everything, and then love people as you've received that love. As you enter into that love communion with God, he changes, and he feeds us, and he gives us the ability not only to love others, but to love ourselves. Amen? And so... That is the evidence. John says, 1 John chapter 4, highly recommend you read that. I'm not going to go there right now. But 1 John 4 is all about love. 1 John is all about love. And it says that, you know, the, the evidence that you know God is that you love. And you can't say that you know God if you don't love. It's the evidence, the proof that we are meant to experience his love, not just as a concept, but as a reality, as something that shapes And energizes our life and our choices in this life. Love is the primary focus of every believer. Jesus said, in the same way the Father loves me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And this abiding in his love, that is our mission, that is our focus, that is our our warfare, has everything to do with staying intimate with the Lord. And so love is the primary focus of every believer, but sometimes love grows cold. I know nobody in here, cold. Sometimes our love grows cold. It does. And how does that happen? I mean, we're saved. We're saved into this love experience, right? We're saved from separation, from sin, which is separation, into this union, this communion as we took communion this morning, that is our salvation that describes our salvation. We're saved from separation into union with him. And nothing can separate us from his love, as we know in the scriptures, nothing can separate us from his love. He always loves us. But the difference is our ability to recognize it, our ability to experience it, to know his love, to align our hearts, to receive his love, And sometimes that ability to receive his love is, is hindered because his love doesn't change. It's our perception of his love or our experience that, that can change from time to time. And it, it grows stronger or weakens depending on our faithfulness, on our, our focus. See, we are responsible on our end. See, love is not just a one-sided thing, is it? It takes two to enter a love relationship, and we are responsible for our end. His love never changes. It never grows dim. It's always on 100%. We can't do anything to make him love us any less. To love us any less would be to not deny himself because God is love, right? And so the difference is on our end, and we need to take responsibility. So we steward the love in our hearts kind of like keeping a fire burning, And I love the analogy, if you've ever had a fire, sometimes it goes and it's hot and then sometimes it starts to wane and burn out and we need to keep that fire burning, right? That's our responsibility in this marriage, this relationship. And it does work in marriage as well. We need to choose love in marriage, don't we? We need to choose love with the busyness of life. We need to choose intimacy. We need to choose love with our our partners as well. As there's so many things vying for our attention, we must choose to say no to things, even though they're important, and say yes to intimacy, yes to time with Jesus. You can tell what is valuable to somebody by how they spend their time and their money, right? And so how we spend our time is it it shows what we value. Do we spend time with the Lord? Do we make time daily? Do we make time in our schedule? I know it's a challenge. And so, sometimes our love grows cold. It's a reality. Sometimes it goes in these ebbs and flows and it's hot and burning, and sometimes it's low and waning and we're wondering, "Why don't I feel God's love?" Matthew 24:12 is one of our texts for today. And it's Jesus speaking about the last days. This whole chapter, they're asking him about the last days. And he says about the last days, Iniquity shall abound, and the love of many shall grow cold. How many of you believe that we are in the last days? We are, you know, the Hebrew calendar, it's 5,780. And if you follow the biblical pattern that after Six days, a day with the Lord is, is a 1,000 years. After six days, he rested. We're coming up on 6,000 years, so about two, 220, 220 years away from this 6,000-year mark. And I believe that Jesus is coming around that time. That's my personal belief. We're not here to talk about the end times or eschatology today, but point is we are in the end times, and lawlessness and iniquity is abounding it is multiplying and it says the love of many will grow cold jesus goes on in verse 22 says and if those days had not been cut short no human being would be saved but for the sake of the elect those days will be cut short wow wow it means that this that the the things that are going to entice us in this life are going to be so strong, as Afne was sharing the counterfeits are going to be so good that they're going to draw many away. They won't be able to discern the true from false or from you know the 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 real from the counterfeit. We must keep our love burning bright this is our charge. This is what God's speaking, that we would keep this fire going. It says that in that time, the love will grow cold. It implies that love, that healthy love should be burning hot. It should be burning bright like a fire as the central source of life. So why does love grow cold? And Jesus speaks about this. Love grows cold because of I'm using iniquity. In your translation, it could say lawlessness. It could be translated as iniquity, as in the King James. I'm going with iniquity. Uh, lawlessness and iniquity abounds or increases. I'm going with iniquity. In, in Hebrew, this word iniquity, it means bent or broken. It's the opposite of uprightness, Right? There's something a little deeper if you dive into it. In the Hebrew alphabet, every letter is a picture. And when you put the letters together to form a word, it actually creates a comic strip. And so this word iniquity in the Hebrew is avon, which is an eye. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to go deep into this, but it's an, the first letter represents an eye, an eyeball. The second letter is a hook. The third letter is like three fish, which is multiplication. So it introduces this concept, iniquity, introduces this concept of whatever your eye hooks into, multiplies. Whatever your eye hooks into, multiplies. Whatever we feast our eyes on gains influence in our soul. James one speaks about this in one fourteen says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. The Bible illustrates this story very well if you think of David and Bathsheba. If you remember, David walking on this rooftop sees this beautiful woman bathing. His eyes are hooked, right? And it multiplies in his heart, and this desire is conceived, and we know that we know the story. There's The result is Uriah is sent to the front lines and is murdered. They do have a child, and he dies, and so this is a very good illustration of this concept. And we see in the end, David repents. This is the way the soul works. The soul is a seedbed. And what we feast on with our affection and adoration will be what is planted in the garden of our heart. It is what we feast on that bears fruit in our lives. This is how iniquity grows into corruption and the soul becomes devoid of his love. And this is the same way that love grows, except we are enticed not by our own desires, but by his we love because he first loved us. And love just doesn't just happen. And I suppose you can have, you know, love at first sight. I don't know. But love is something that in the beginning begins, but over time it must be maintained. It's a choice to choose to love. is a choice. How many times did Jesus say, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? And obedience is not meant to be this external pressure that causes us to obey, but an internal desire to please the one we love, to come into alignment with his values, his desires. Consistently choosing intimacy with Jesus is what causes love to grow in our hearts. It's it's how we experience the warmth of his love every day, and there's always a choice. There's always a choice in what we feast on. There's always a table prepared. If you look throughout the scriptures, this is a constant theme throughout the Bible. We see Moses and the elders feasting with God on the mountaintop in Exodus 24.9. It says, And Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, And the seventy elders of Israel went up and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. We see this feasting. God knows that that. Feasting is a reality for the human condition, that we will be feasting on everything. And I find it very interesting that all of the Jewish holidays are not merely holidays, they're feasts. Feast on this. Feast. Remember the deliverance from Egypt. Remember when I came and, you know, you, you remember, all the feasts represent something that they are to remember, to feast on God's goodness. Psalm 23, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There is always a choice. Proverbs 9 is beautiful. 9, 1 through 6, this is wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine and she has set her table. And she sent out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. We see Jesus in one of his last ministries, last messages to Israel, preaching. And he uses the illustration of the wedding feast. That many are called, but few are chosen. And so many were called to the wedding feast to dine with the king. And they chose to go about their business instead and take care of the, the, the responsibilities they had in the world. They chose that over communion. And finally, we see the Last Supper as we celebrated communion today that Jesus said, Feast on me. Feast on me. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, what we call communion back then was called a love feast. Feasting on his love, his body broken and beaten, crucified on the cross, his blood poured out as the record of his love for you and I. We feast on his love. We feast on his love for us. We must make it personal. We must make the cross personal that he died that he he was beaten and broken for you and for me. Not only for you and for me, but if you bring him into the picture for us. He died for us, for the usness, for the togetherness. He died for the connection, for the intimacy. That was the joy that was set before him, right? It must become a personal thing. We must feast on him in this way where it becomes a personal relationship. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a habit we develop, you know, what we feast on. It's a habit. And I'm, I've been practicing this. It's not easy all the time to just feast on Jesus, and there's, there's many distractions going on in life. There's many things that if you're mindful of it, if you're mindful of the fact that every day you're feasting on something, you start to become aware of what you're, what you're feasting on, good or bad. You're like, yeah, you know, we're not always thinking about those things. But the, whatever we're feasting on with our affections or our adoration is really what's the seed that we're planting. And it's ultimately the fruit that we're bearing. And so you become mindful of what you're feasting on. It's in t- we, ha- we must be intentional about feasting on him. You know, there are promises that, like, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. These are promises there will be an exchange of life, yours for his. The divine exchange is the most delicious feast in all of creation. It is the most desirable. It is the thing that matters most in this life, this divine exchange, my life for his, feasting on him. The Bible says as we behold him, we become like him. Behold is this idea of not only seeing, but feasting, but, be, but feasting on with affection. As we behold him, we become like him. And that's the goal. And there's always, always a choice. I have a little video. Can we play that video?
1: The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the Tree of Life. So, what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it. Or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but... On the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look good beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. Oh, you mean the burning bush, where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they are false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It is like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let us turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again... So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life, or death and this time they don't just choose death they also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life yes jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree the cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes the tree of life has been overcome by the power of death well it seemed that way But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you are invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden, which is also a kind of temple, with the tree of life at its center providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. <laughs>
0: I saw this video earlier in the week and I thought it illustrated pretty well the things that were on my heart. By the way, this is an amazing resource. I don't know if, you've got, if, if you guys have ever checked out the Bible Project um, it is amazing. It's awesome. Uh, they do videos like this through all different types of topics of the Bible and uh, all the books of the Bible anyways. It's good stuff. So, not too long ago, in my own experience, I was really feeling lost. In, like I felt like my love connection with the Lord was just not non-existent. I was struggling quite a bit with this, and... The Lord was, the Lord is always faithful. I don't know. He's so good. He actually seems to speak to me clearer <laughs> when I'm in trouble. Uh, and and it, it very clearly and profoundly, he kept speaking to me this phrase. And I'm crying out, Lord, why don't I feel your love? You know, I just don't, I don't feel connected. I, and, you know, and he kept speaking to me, rest and remember. Over and over again, rest and remember. And so I decided to dive into it a little bit, and this is a bigger topic. This theme of rest and remember is a major topic throughout the scriptures, and we don't have time to dive into it today, but this idea, his solution for cold love is rest and remember. And so the Father is speaking to all of humanity, rest and remember. Rest in the Hebrew is the word Sabbath, right? Shabbat. It really means to stop. Stop. Because we, we get on these, I don't know about you, but I can be obsessive over things. You know, when I'm looking into something, if I'm you know shopping for a new whatever, it becomes an all-encompassing obsession for me. All you know, because I want to get the best price for the best, the best you know value for my money. And all and and anyways, I'm very prone to getting to just getting fully pulled into these things, so that they have me and I'm not I'm no longer in control. And so most of the time, when I get distracted, it's because of these things. And they're constantly coming up. If you're mindful of, of the little ways that the enemy tries to uh, distract you, I don't know about you, but it's, I, I have become more and more aware of these little things that come and try and get me off track, right? And so we must rest and remember, and I, I find it very interesting that this has been part of God's recipe for success since the very beginning. When he instituted, when he first completed creation, then on the seventh day, he rested. And he called that day blessed, right? And he gave the Hebrew people the Sabbath. That every, you know, once a week, they need to stop and to rest. And so it really speaks to Stop feasting on the things of the world. We need to be able to know how to stop feasting on the things of the world and to feast on him. Rest and remember. And this is a practice that we need as believers to maintain our our love and, and our connection. We need to know how to rest and remember. It is so key. There's, It is such a broad, broad topic. But essentially, we must rest, okay? If you think of God singing a song over you, but you're singing your own song. In order for us to hear his song, we've got to stop singing. Right? We need to rest. We need to quiet our heart to hear what he's singing. Amen. We talked about this a little bit last time, about the blood of Jesus speaking a better word over you. The word is, you're my favorite. I love you. And we have these other voices that are saying other things. They, we need to be able to stop and remember his love, right? it's a it's a practice that we that that the uh, the Jewish culture have been doing it for thousands of years it's It's so important we need to be able to stop, rest, come into rest and remember and hear what he's speaking. We do that by faith, right? We tune our hearts by faith by what we believe in, by what we value and so We'll dive into this a little bit more in the coming weeks. But I want to leave you with this. You know, in the church of Ephesus, when he was speaking to the Ephesian church, and we all know the story. You've, you know, I, I, I you have these good things about you, but this one thing I have against you, you lost your first love. It's interesting that the Ephesians, Ephesians actually means desirable darling. My desire, desirable darling, this is a, the same word in the Greek that a bridegroom would use for his bride. I have these things against you, you're strong, you know, here, let's see. Your, t- your toil, your works, your, your toil and your patient endurance how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. You have discernment. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You've abandoned the first love. Remember, therefore, he says, from where you have fallen and repent, and do the works you did at first, right? Rest and remember. And he says, he who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life. This is his promise to us. This is made available to us to feast on him, to find him as the source of our supply. And it's a choice we make. Amen. I'm going to close out with this uh, Psalm 23 in the Passion Translation. Just, if you could just listen. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks, his tracks take me to an oasis of Peace the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. And we just just put your hand on your heart you stand if you just stand if you like in rest <laughs> in adoration you know it was occurring to me during worship we often lift our hands to feel God's presence but he's also inside your heart he's here you are the temple just become aware Father, we thank you for what what you're doing in our body, how you are leading us by your spirit, how you are speaking to us, not only through the worship and the word, but through children. You're speaking. We're hearing your voice. We pray for a change. We pray we would let go of the things that hold us, that keep us from moving further and deeper into this intimacy that you're calling us to. We ask that you would help us to rest, to silence all the other voices, that we would hear your voice alone, that our hearts would harmonize with yours. In Jesus' name, we ask for the grace. We ask for grace. This is all by your grace. It's all by your your power, your strength not our own. Lord, I bless this congregation to walk in love more than ever before. In Jesus' name.